We have been doing the journey to Jerusalem. We have been looking at the time in the life of Jesus when he was nearing Jerusalem. And it's true, he was preparing his disciples you know, for the entire time that he had them. But I think it's important to especially look at the last few weeks when Jesus knew he was going to the cross. The disciples, even though he told them three times, yes, three times, even though he told them that, they were not getting it at all. And so I think it's important just to kind of focus, we're going to focus kind of today on how he was trying to build community, how he was sort of laying a foundation of how life needed to be for them when he knew he was going to be going to the Father. And so I think the things that he said, the things that he did, are very important to observe and uh, remember for all of us. And so especially, I mean, there are lots of places in Scripture, but especially in the Gospel of John, as he's having uh, a meal with the disciples, a great deal is said that I think is very significant. So I'd like for us to look at those for a little bit. Uh, some of it is information that Doug shared last week, talking about service and washing the disciples' feet. Um, and he, he talked about that last week. There is, it's hard for us to realize or recognize or remember, unless you have been to maybe a third world country recently, um, what streets can be like. And Doug was a little bit more diplomatic, maybe, than I. But, I mean, you know, yes, you know, dust and dirt and all of that kind of thing. But I would also remind you that there were a lot of animals in that day. And there were digestive process, processes that happened. Are y'all with me? I was one time visiting a missionary in Spain, and, and they had a beautiful, blonde-haired little girl. She was darling. Her name was Jasmine. And she was completely 100% two years old. You with me? And they, they made the rule in their house that they had to, um, whoever caught Jasmine doing whatever she was doing wrong, um, that person had to discipline her because otherwise daddy became a spanking machine, you know, or whatever. Not trying to make a statement about spanking or not, but Jasmine did interesting things. So we were walking down the street one day and she had sandals on and um, she's walking past these men. We were in Spain. And she's walking past these men that are just kind of lounging by a door, not at work, just hanging around. And this little two-year-old walks past them and goes, malo, malo, malo. Bad, bad, bad. You know, to these guys, and you're like, let's just move along here, you know? I mean, we do not want an altercation with a two-year-old. So that was that. She was the one that, um, she was very determined to control when she would decide to use the bathroom and when she would not and so she was probably like two and a half and the mom put her to for a nap one day and and uh jasmine she said now jasmine if you know if if you don't go in your diaper if you wait you know until you're through with your nap then you know you'll have a surprise and after the nap the mom opened the door and jasmine was standing at her bed and she announced no surprise today <laughs> and this was this kid so we're walking on this street in Spain and this beautiful little girl and you just think, oh, how cute. And her mother turns around and Jasmine, on purpose, was walking in things that had been left by animals. Y'all with me? And her mother just yells at her because she has sandals on and is just like, Jasmine, you don't walk in it if you don't have to. And Jasmine obviously needed more correction at that point. She's now thoroughly grown up and probably in her early 30s and a very amazing young woman, but she was determined in her twos what she was going to do. 
I would just like to make a kind of an announcement for y'all. I hope you're taking notes, and I would just say feet or feet. You know, I learned that. That's not like Greek or whatever. Washing people's feet is probably not an easy thing to do. It's what Jesus chose to do. And that's the example for us. And that example of service, and he said, after doing all of that, and the disciples being kind of awkward about that, he said, do as I've done for you. That he was giving that example. That was not an example of leadership they were looking for or expected. It was very unexpected. That day, that culture, how leaders acted. And it was repeated in Scripture. In Scripture, Bible scholars tell us if things are repeated, it's a big deal. And so in the, in the chapters 13, 14, 15, 16 of John, a lot is repeated. And it's not because John had memory issues, but it's because it was important. So the service, the whole point of being able to serve, when everyone, many of the disciples were looking to be, how could they be the leader? How could they be in charge? He also talked about greatness in the sense of that to be like a child. In the scripture that we looked at last week that Doug shared, they were who was going to be the greatest and who would sit on his right or left. And Jesus said, to be like a child. And children were not really acknowledged a great deal in that time. Pointing out children was a big deal. Oh, to be like a child. And he talked about love. And we've read the scripture in John 13, 34, and 35. There are four different types of love, or four different words for love in Greek. In English, we say, I love Mexican food, or I love the Texas Rangers, or I love, you know, whatever, my car. Uh, in Greek, there are four different types of love. And actually, C.S. Lewis wrote a book on that, on the four different types of love. But Jesus refers to the highest love. And he says, a new command I give you, that you love each other as I have loved you. And in other passages, it talks about how God loved us. And it was out of his tremendous love for us that we even know how to love. That we even know how to um, even communicate love. And then there's a passage in this whole point, John 14, where he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. And that gets a little trickier, right? I mean, serving we probably are pretty cool on doing, and loving sounds pretty easy. But he says, if anyone really loves me, they will obey my teachings. And it again is repeated in many different places. Let me read one passage from chapter 15, beginning with verse 9. Just Jesus is speaking and he says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you, so abide in my love. But if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And it goes on to say, This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And he goes on to say, no longer are you slaves, all of that. So I just encourage you to think on these things as we are um, journeying to Jerusalem, as we are looking at that time. Jesus knew what was coming. The disciples really did not. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And in saying these things and trying to lay a foundation for them that they would carry on in what would become the early church, Jesus was laying a foundation 
He was laying guidelines for community of how they would treat each other and what they would do. And so in light of all of that, it's interesting just in the last few weeks of his life, the different things that he would call to their attention. We talked about serving and, and how um, Jesus came to serve. There's an interesting passage in Mark 10:46 that is the story of blind Bartimaeus. When my kids were little, we used to read this story a lot, and they loved it because they could shout at part of it. Um, because I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd where people wouldn't kind of settle down or listen. Uh, the thing that I can relate to the most is when I taught school, any type of uh, teacher meetings, teachers just ignored whoever was in charge, you know. I mean, some first grade teacher finally had to do the whatever they say, you know, one, two, three, look at me, or, you know, you know, to get everybody just to, well, the nice word is hush, the other word is, you know, shut up. But um, teachers who command their students to be quiet did not do so much. Listen to the story of Bartimaeus. And then they came to Jerusalem. This is Jesus and his, the group traveling with them. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that Jesus the Nazarene, I'm sorry, when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. I love this verse. It says, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. The words of Jesus, the, the information that we have, the commands of Jesus, the passages that we read are not just so we can go, oh, that's nice, but they are life-changing. And for blind Bartimaeus, who was defined by his condition, when he received his sight, he then followed Jesus. And I don't know if that means for us, like putting on a different filter. I don't know how it was for you when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. And sometimes a great deal changes, and sometimes things are very much the same. How we view things, how we see things are so important. Revival is not about an emotion. Revival is about when society is changed. And society was completely changed at the death and resurrection and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For Bartimaeus, he wanted to see, what do you want me to do for you? He could have answered many things. Lord, I want to regain my sight. The scripture talks about Jesus healing ten lepers. And obviously, um, they did not have a high place in society. You wouldn't think a leader would go and do that, someone that was going to be the leader of the world, as his disciples were expecting. But Jesus healed ten lepers, and it says only one Samaritan returned to thank him. Can you imagine if your life was drastically changed, and you don't even remember to say thank you to the person that did that? And yet, how often do I go through a day and forget to say thank you to the one that changed my life? The story is recorded in the journey to Jerusalem of the persistent widow who continued to pray 
and just continued to pray. And Jesus gave them this example of praying in Luke 18, 1 through 8. And then the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the, tax collect, the Pharisee is like, Lord, I thank you, I'm not like this guy, but, you know, I, I tithe and I do all the right things and I give a lot of money. And the tax collector is saying, oh God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. There's the story in Luke 21 of the widow's offering that Jesus was and his disciples were watching as people were putting in offerings. And even though her offering was very small, she gave all that she had. And Jesus was saying that was far more the significant gift because she gave everything. When Jesus did these teachings, he was dealing with radical change. When he was saying for them to wash each other's feet, that was a huge thing in that society. They were still thinking, who's going to be on the right and the left? And you're going to run the Romans out and we're going to be in charge of our country again. And Jesus had a different way. Sometimes it's unexpected. The story of Lazarus when he died of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And when Lazarus died, Jesus tarried. He didn't, you know, just get the phone call or the text message and run down the road to be with them. He tarried for several days, knowing that Lazarus was die, would die. And in that passage of scripture, not only is it the declaration of Jesus to Martha of I am the resurrection and I am life to a woman, but the declaration of Martha that was, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. A lot of times we kind of buzz through that scripture and we don't really think about it, but that was like incredibly huge in that day. The passage goes on to talk about how Jesus wept and then he called Lazarus by a name to come out of the tomb. That was not a small stir in the community. You know, That was not a small thing. To the point that then the Pharisees decided maybe they were going to have to kill Lazarus because so many people were believing in Jesus because Lazarus came back to life. Do you get the irony of that? Lazarus was raised from the dead, you know, and the Pharisees are going, we just have to kill him, you know, we'll take care of this. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So Jesus brings radical change in how we see things and how we respond it was a huge shift for the disciples. But that was the community he was asking for. And they really wouldn't be empowered to do so into the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. But he kept laying this foundation, repeating what he was saying. To be the greatest, you have, need to be like a little child. To be the greatest, you need to serve. Literally wash the feet. You know, take care of people. Serve them. If you love me, you will obey my commands. We talk about how Christianity is a relationship, and it is a relationship with Jesus. But it is also, if we love him, we obey his commands. And he told us to serve, he told us to love. Many things, at the, end, at the very end of Matthew, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I think as we look at these different examples from, the, from Scripture, I don't think there is any way that we can understand the turmoil that was going on with the disciples. He was saying stuff they did not want to hear. He was not, that was not the game plan. That was not what they had agreed to in all of their minds. And yet in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of him knowing he would be betrayed, in, two, in a passage of Scripture, 
in John 14, it talks about how he, he says, somebody's going to betray me, and he, he dips the bread and gives it to Judas and says, what you do, do quickly. And Judas left. But then just a few verses later, when Peter is saying, I will never betray you. Where are you going that I can't go? I will never betray you. Jesus said, no, you will betray me even today. So in the midst of all of that, the turmoil, the what's he going to do? What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? Will he run out the Romans? What will happen for us? Jesus says these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Then he goes on to share several things that we often share at funerals. Talking about he goes to prepare a place for us and all of that. All that he does. Um, And then he, he talks a great deal about the Holy Spirit in these passages. If you're looking to be reminded about things the Holy Spirit does. These chapters in John 13, 14, 15, 16 are excellent in talking about the Holy Spirit. But then he says it again, and I was in my quiet time this week, I was in this part of John, and it was the first time I'd recognized that he said, do not let your heart be troubled, and then he said it again later in the passage. So receive these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, do not let your heart be troubled, and neither be afraid. Oh my goodness. Do not let your heart be troubled and neither be afraid. He goes on to talk about how he will be sending the Holy Spirit um, to be with us until the end of the age. What an amazing thing to talk about peace in the middle of chaos. To talk about peace in the middle of betrayal. To talk about peace As Jesus knew, within a matter of hours, he would be scourged, he would be flogged, that a crown of thorns would be put on his head, that he would basically be beaten until he was unrecognizable. Isaiah says he was unrecognizable. And Jesus is saying to all of us, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. So I do not know your circumstances this day. But whatever place we are in, he says peace to us. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. My son is attending school at uh, Christ for the Nations, and occasionally I get theological tips about once a week, well, sometimes more often than that from Robert, which is wonderful, it's a great school. But he was talking, yes, last night it was over an hour conversation. Lauren knows, you know, what I mean. Um, And I'm very grateful. I mean, the fact that Robert would be at this place and doing this well is an incredible miracle, truly, uh, truly. And so he said, Mom, so many people believe in Jesus for salvation, but they really don't believe him for all the stuff in between. They really don't believe him for now. And yes, salvation is now. I mean, I get that. But we believe him for, yes, we'll go be with him someday. But oh my goodness, do we believe him for whatever you're facing right now? Whatever situation may be too big, 
whatever thing might be overwhelming, what may concern you. He said, Mom, it's like they just don't get it. We don't get it that, yes, salvation, but he cares for us now. And so whatever you, wherever you are today, he says peace. Whatever you're facing or whatever happens tomorrow, the unexpected, a lot of unexpected happened in the journey to Jerusalem. The disciples were not expecting it at all. Jesus was laying a foundation for community that would become the early church. But he repeated to us that to do as he's done for us, as he has served us, he has repeated to us to love each other out of God's love, that we would be known as his disciples by our love for each other. That we would, he repeated to us to obey, that if we love him, we obey, we do what he has said. So his teachings should be, bring change, even as they brought change in the early church. And obviously that was with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to be like me when Robert said, you know, Mom, sometimes people just don't get it. I thought, yeah, that's really true. We believe God for the big things. But maybe, maybe it's the little things he cares about too. If he knows the numbers of hairs on our head, you know, if he knows when a sparrow falls, then he knows about you. So I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what tomorrow may bring for any of us. But oh my goodness, the creator of the world says to us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that your words are life. And they are ever changing us. And we desire to be more like you. In every way. In every way. So Lord, thank you for touching the places in our hearts and minds where we fear or where we're troubled. Thank you, Lord, for touching the places in us to believe you are who you said you are. God, we commit ourselves to you and thank you for moving in our lives that more people would come to know you, whether it's in Carrollton or Cambodia, all the places in between. Oh God, that you would be glorified, that people would understand your great love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You loved us first. Even as we took our first breath, you loved us. And may we love each other. In Jesus' name.